Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Socrates as a person, as a teacher, as a martyr, and as what we might call a philosophical hero, left a really massive impression upon those who were concerned with philosophy in Athens. That's why we see multiple schools of philosophy emerging from the nexus of his teaching and his, his way of life and his friendship. And the Stoics looked to him particularly as an ideal, as an exemplar of the way that a person ought to be. Quite a lot of the things that they're saying about him are borne out by what we have in the historical record from Xenophon and Plato about Socrates. And what I want to look at here is Epictetus's picture of Socrates. What made Socrates such a great guy that we should emulate him? You notice that, that Socrates is brought up as an example throughout Epictetus's discourses. It really comes together in Book 4, though, and so I've got quite a few things on the board here that he talks about. What's particularly interesting is that Stoics do, in fact, care about what people think of them, but they care only about what people whose opinion really matters, or whose judgment really matters, because it's well-informed about the nature of the good for human beings and how human beings ought to behave and, and relate themselves to each other and to, to themselves. And so Epictetus will actually say at one point in chapter 7 of Book 4 that Socrates is the kind of person that he cares about that he wants to appear good in the, the sight of, that he would like to have had a good impression of him. Of course, Socrates by this time is long dead, but he's using Socrates as sort of a stand-in. Socrates is the kind of person whose opinion Epictetus would greatly value. Other people's not quite so important. In chapter 4, he talks about Socrates as being the kind of person who took circumstances as they were given to him. And so he doesn't fight against things. He doesn't cooperate with evil, of course. As a matter of fact, Epictetus brings up Socrates and his refusal to collaborate with an unjust execution of an Athenian citizen, which is recounted by Socrates in, in Plato's works. Epictetus brings this up as an example of Socrates' justice and Socrates not allowing other people's threats, you know, externals, to interfere with keeping his faculty of choice in accordance with nature. But Epictetus talks about Socrates in this case as being somebody who is able to enjoy leisure, scholae, you know, sitting around talking in the, the gymnasium, talking in the parks with young men about philosophy. But when it comes time for him to go on a military campaign, he's equally happy to go on a military campaign and fight against whoever he's supposed to. In that case, follow orders. We know that Socrates did, in fact, fight as a soldier for Athens. 
And he says Socrates is not the sort of guy who, when he's on military campaign, is going to say, Oh, woe is me. I don't have the leisure anymore to chat with the, the young men about philosophy. He's, he's okay with it. He, he's taking things as they come. He is, another way to say it in the Stoic vernacular, is to have his will in accordance with the way things turn out. So what that means is that he's somebody who's serene. He's happy. He's unhampered unhindered. He's free. So again, he provides a, an example of what Stoicism holds out to us as a promise. In chapter 5, which has to do with contentious people, he, he's uh, presented as somebody who's a great example in managing his relationships, particularly his household relationships, well. So Epictetus will say, Socrates bore very firmly in mind that no one is master over another's governing principle. He willed accordingly nothing but what was his own. And what was that? Not to try to make other people act in accordance with nature, for that does not belong to one, but while they are attending to their own business as they think best, himself nonetheless to be and to remain in a state of harmony with nature, attending to his own business to the end that they may also be in harmony with nature. He actually calls Socrates there the good and excellent man. Right? Later on, he talks about, in the same chapter, parses this out in terms of his home life. And uh, if you know anything about Socrates, he had a wife who was rather contentious, let's say. And he had children who were a bit of a disappointment. So he says, all of this is what Socrates bore in mind as he managed his house, putting up with a shrewish wife and an unkindly son. For to what end was she shrewish? To the end that she might pour all the water she pleased over his head and might trample underfoot the cake. Yet, what is that to me if I regard these things as meaning nothing to me? But this control over the moral purpose is my true business, and it neither shall a tyrant hinder me against it, nor the multitude, the single individual, nor the stronger man, the weaker, nor bad kids or a wife who's kind of a troublesome, neighbors. He doesn't get into the threats of people who say, you better stop doing philosophy. As a matter of fact, at his trial, he says, I'm going to keep doing it no matter what, so you're probably going to have to put a stop to me. So that's another part of the picture. In chapter 8, Epictetus says something else that's very interesting. He brings up the fact that people would go to Socrates and ask to be introduced to philosophers, not thinking Socrates himself to be a philosopher. And they wanted to be introduced to sophists, to people who weren't really philosophers. And did Socrates get upset about that and say, I don't know why you're bothering with those people. I'm the real deal. No. Socrates very calmly and serenely said, sure, I'll introduce you to Prodicus. I'll introduce you to this guy over here. Why? Because Socrates was concerned not with appearing to be a philosopher, not with being thought to be a philosopher by other people, but actually being a philosopher, doing what it is that a philosopher ought to do, having the focus on the things that really matter. In uh, chapter 12 of book 2, Epictetus has a great example about how to carry out inquiry with others, and he uses Socrates as an example there of how the Stoic ought to behave. So I'm going to actually read this at a, at a little bit of length with some commentary. He says, when people are mistaken, what should you do? How should you deal with them? Should you say, oh, they, they're just uneducated. I'm not going to try to work with them. It's impossible to do anything with these people. He says, no, the real guide, whenever he finds a person going astray, leads him back to the right road. Instead of leaving him with a scornful laugh or an insult, so you should also show the person the truth and you'll see that they'll follow if they're ready to. So long as you don't show them the truth, 
Don't scorn him. Don't laugh at him. Recognize your own incapacity. How did Socrates approach this sort of thing? There is where it becomes very interesting. He used to force the man who was arguing with him to be his own witness. He, Socrates would continually ask a person who said, well, other people say X, Y, Z. He would say, well, what do you think? In doing so, he would make that person into their own witness. He would, he would call them to make clear what it was that they were committed to. And then they would see whether it was consistent or not. This is a way that one can actually make some sort of progress. He says... This is why he could say, I can dispense with all the others, and I'm always satisfied to have my own fellow disputant for a witness, and the votes of the rest I don't care about, but only my person that I'm discussing this with. For he used to make so clear the consequences which followed from the concepts that everybody realized the contradiction involved and gave up the battle. So he gives some examples here, and if you, if you look at Plato's dialogues, you're going to see that. What did Socrates do? Did he laugh at people? Did he treat them badly? Did he pull rank? Did he appeal to authority? No, he would work with the person as he found them and try to get them to see where things were not good for them, where there were conflicts, where there were contradictions, and then try to suggest some way past that. And if the person was ready to hear that, they would embrace it. Sometimes they would get very upset with him. And again, though, he doesn't have control over that. So this is just a portion, but some of the key points of Epictetus' sort of composite picture of Socrates as a Stoic sage, a wise person, or you might say an exemplar, a hero, somebody who is to be emulated and followed. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.